thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Hello, my name is Kevin McGraw, and I will be reading from John 15, verses 5-8. through 8. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Welcome to the 1960s. You may have seen the video we made, and this was the, my 60s jacket and everything. And my dad actually had a hat like this uh, that he wore. I think this is Steve Bootman's hat, actually. So Steve is around. Um, so, yeah, the 60s were, uh, were a very good year. Uh, the 60s had a lot, of, a lot of things going on. 1961 was especially a good year. I know there's others in the congregation that believe that 1961 was a very good year. Uh, but the decade started out with a lot of hope and optimism, didn't it? I mean, there were a lot of things going on that people thought this is going to be a great decade. And uh, we, well, we, we orbited somebody in space for the first time, orbited the Earth. Uh, that was a big deal in 1961. Uh, JFK, of course, was inaugurated president in 1961 with the talk of the new frontier was kind of that platform he talked about. Uh, and, and kind of a sense of, we're, here we go, we're all in this together. And even in 1965, when Lyndon Johnson was president, uh, he talked about the great society. And so the idea was to try to really promote the notion of, you know, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country, that we're all in this together. So the decade started really well. In 1969, we put two people on the moon, another big accomplishment. At that time, Richard Nixon was president, and in 1969, uh, public opinion about the Vietnam War was really beginning to turn sour. We began to not only hear about things, we were watching it on the evening news. We were hearing about some of the uh, unfortunate things that had happened, and public opinion was really going down. The great cultural event of 1969 was Woodstock, where you had the Who... Jimi Hendrix, Joan Baez, that's a long way from rock around the clock, right? I mean, that's a long way from rock around the clock. When you think of Buddy Holly and Bill Haley and Frank Sinatra and those great stars of the 50s, very different by the end of the 60s. Of course, a lot of things erupted in 1968, right? The assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., assassination of Bobby Kennedy uh, Democratic National Convention had massive protests breaking out, arrests, all kinds of things. And you might remember at the Olympics that year, uh, on the, the medal stand, Tommy Smith and John Carlos raised their arms and their fists in black power. It was, it was quite an end to the decade. Hope and optimism seemed to be gone. Social fabric was pulling apart in our country. Uh, the culture wars were just going crazy. Uh, most people were chasing causes, taking sides, 
I mean, there was no sense of one great society at all. It was pretty much a collection of tribes that did not get along with each other. Now, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to defend or uh, uh, criticize things that happened in the 60s. I'm just saying it was a time of incredible change and a lot of acrimony among people. You know, one of the, one of the debates that went on in the 60s that kind of touches uh, our life to some extent uh, certainly was about public policy, but it had to do with Christianity and the church. It's in the 1960s that uh, the decision was made that there would not be prayer in public schools. And I know, I've heard for a long, long time people saying, uh, you know, everything went bad when they took prayer out of school. Well, I mean, the truth is, all those things were happening anyway. It's not a cause and effect. Those things were happening anyway, and even if they had left prayer in schools, I think all these things would have happened. It's not, it's not that there wouldn't have been a change. It just kind of became an easy place to point the finger and say, that's what caused it all. What you might not know is that there was, uh, among the people who were opposed to prayer in public schools, uh, there was a large group of Christian clergy who were opposed to prayer in school. A lot of Christian clergy were opposed to it for a couple of reasons. For one thing, if it's a public school, well, let me back up. Because when we see, when we think of prayer in school, well, we're Christians. So we think about Christian prayer, where you pray in the name of Jesus, and you pray for salvation, and you pray for God's blessings, and you pray, okay, but in public school, that means there's got to be representation. And some Christian clergy were saying, I don't know that that's really what we, any of us want. And by the way, Jesus never said school is a house of prayer. Jesus said the temple, his temple, his gathered body of believers is a house of prayer. It's our job as the church to teach prayer. It's our job to help families train up their children in the ways of Jesus. A lot of folks just, they don't know that. And so it, we you know, point the finger and blame whoever it was that you know, they took prayer out of school. Of course, anytime I hear someone say, well, they did that or they thought that, I want to say, who's they? Who is it you're talking about exactly? Yeah. Well, how do, you, how, what is, how do you be a Christian in times like that? I mean, you had these giant issues going on of the Vietnam War. You had a feminism had really, was really taking off. The feminist movement was taking off. Uh, certainly, music was changing dramatically. And you're going to end up with Woodstock in 69. Uh, it, was, it was a different time. What does it mean to be Christian in a time where things are just changing dramatically? Like now. <laughs> like now. There's a lot going on. So he's saying, I heard it through the grapevine. That's a great song. It was originally recorded by Gladys Knight. Uh, she rec- she uh, recorded, they released it. It did okay. And then a year or two years later, Marvin Gaye uh, recorded it, and uh, it really got popular then, became a number one hit, and I, I, I mean, I think sales will now be surpassed by the Reese Lestrat version that we heard today. But the story, as, we, as you saw in the words, I mean, right, the story is a guy hears that his girlfriend is leaving him for somebody she's, she's been with before, and now she's, and he's, but... She didn't tell him. He heard it through the grapevine. I heard it through the grapevine. We, you know, the grapevine still operates, right? I mean, we still hear things through the grapevine. 
and uh, uh, it's not always the most accurate information, but there's the grapevine. And, and maybe, have you, maybe you have sometimes had someone say to you, you know what, I heard something about you through the grapevine. Heard something about you through the grapevine. Now, hopefully it was positive. Surely it was positive. What if it was negative? Or what if, or, or have you ever had the experience where someone said, I heard something about you through the grapevine, and when they said what it was, you're like, okay, no, that's, that's not, I didn't say that, or I didn't do that. That misre- misrepresents me. Like I said, not always the most accurate information. But we do kind of keep our ear to the grapevine. What do you hear about this and that? So, so if someone came to you and said, hey, I heard something through the grapevine about your faith. About your faith. What do you hope they would say? What would you hope the grapevine is saying about your faith? What observable evidence would people be talking about? regarding your faith. So in John 15, we have these well-known words, I'm the vine, you are the branches. That's a pretty easy metaphor to understand, right? The connectedness in our our lives with Jesus and with one another. Uh, You can't take a branch off and say that's going to do its own thing. It doesn't work that way. Uh, And of course, in in the Bible, when we're talking about a vine of any kind, we're talking about a grapevine. So it's a pretty easy image to to understand, and, and you know, Paul talks about the connectedness we have as the body of Christ, as the image he uses. That Christ, Jesus is the head of the body, and all of us are some part of the body, and we all belong together in Jesus. Last week, I talked about a scripture passage. It talked about how God brings us all together to raise up a holy temple, the image of a building. We create the temple of God as God's people. Different images, but this uh, grapevine image certainly is easy to, to understand. Well, it's not new. It's not new to the New Testament, certainly. In the Old Testament, uh, there were many, there's many references where uh, Israel, God's people, called to be God's blessing to all the families of the world, God's people who were to be a, a witness to the nations, that they were referred to as a vine or a vineyard. A lot of, lot, lot of examples of it. I'll just give you two quick ones. In, in Isaiah chapter 5, here's the, here's the idea of it in a negative fashion. It says, then God looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel, and the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed, for righteousness, but he heard cries of distress. That God's people were a vineyard, but they were not being faithful to, to, to God. But then you have Isaiah 27, sing about a fruitful vineyard. I, the Lord, watch over it. I water it continually. In days to come, Jacob will take root, Israel will bud and blossom and fill all the world with fruit. When God's people are faithful, fruitfulness abounds. So the notion of a vine, a vineyard, have been used for a very long time to describe the faithfulness and fruitfulness of God. Because the point of a grapevine is to produce grapes, right? That's the point of it, to produce grapes. If you don't produce grapes, uh, there's something wrong with this. we got to do something else to produce grapes. And so in this uh, scripture, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches, and God is the vine grower. God's in charge of the vine. 
And so even, even the branches that are bearing fruit are sometimes pruned in order to bear more fruit. And, and the word can also be translated cleanse. Matter of fact, he even says that, that to his disciples. You are already cleansed. You are already pruned. God has already been at work in your life so that you can produce even more fruit. This was an important image in John and, and, and apparently an important issue. I, apparently, there were a lot of people kind of breaking away, following false prophets, taking up causes of the day, getting embroiled in controversies, because in, there's, a, there's one four-verse section here in chapter 15 where the word abide or remain, can be translated either way, shows up eight times. And when you look at the gospel as a whole, it shows up 40 times. So as John, writing his gospel within the context of a worshiping community at the time, seemed to be having some issues with people abandoning, or maybe just abandoning their faith in Christ, or maybe... Maybe it was just putting it in second place. Maybe it was just putting it in second place because what's more important is this issue. I'm going to chase this issue, this teaching, this controversy, this argument, this. And the connection to Christ became secondary. Now, sure, you're always going to have differing opinions. This is not about uniformity. It's talking about unity as a vine, but, but not uniformity. That's not what the Bible is trying to teach here. You're always going to have different opinions. But to abide, remain in Jesus, is to do what Jesus commanded. That's what he said. I will know you are my friends if you do what I command. Now, now Jesus laid out a lot of imperatives. Now, right? An imperative statement is when you just say to somebody, go do that. You know, go, can you go take out the trash? Go take out the, if you put it in a question form, it doesn't work, right? Go take out the trash, <laughs> Give an imperative. Pick up the groceries. Whatever it is, that's an imperative. Jesus did a lot of imperatives. Heal the sick, take care of the poor, a lot of imperatives. He gave one command. Only one command did Jesus give, and it was, love one another as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. That's the one command Jesus gave his disciples. Because Jesus didn't say that, they, you know, there, there is a verse that says, Jesus says, they will know you are my disciples by your love. He, he does not say, they will know you're my disciples by winning an argument. He does not say, they will know you're my disciples by destroying so-and-so on social media. He says, they'll know you're my disciples by your love for one another. We, we Christians seems to have substituted winning as the distinctive characteristic of Christians for love. So imagine, imagine 1960s. Go back in your mind. Some of you can't do that, but imagine. Imagine the 1960s, and you have someone who is a, a rabid feminist advocate and someone who is a rabid supporter of the Vietnam War, and they get together for conversation. The first reaction probably is to think, ah, that's not going to go well, right? But what if? Imagine. Imagine they were both Christians. Now, I know, I know some people say, how can you be a feminist and be a Christian? Or how can you be a war supporter and be a... I know, that's, that's for another day. Let's say they both are Christians. 
And they get together for conversation to understand each other, and they understand that the person they're talking to is someone in the image of God. This is someone, they're, they're more important than their difference of opinion. Wow, what a crazy idea. Or someone who is an advocate to have prayer in school and a black power supporter. Again, we would think, oh, that may not go well. Let's say they were people of faith and they valued one another more importantly than their difference of opinion. Well, let's try to imagine it today. Pick your controversy. <laughs> People on different sides of a controversy, people representing very different opinions, and they get together and imagine they're people of faith. So it would look like this, so that love is, and this love Jesus is talking about, love is to see the image of God in the person. You're not looking for it in their opinion, you're looking for it in the person. Love is to take the other person seriously. So often we just laugh people off, or we, again, we destroy them on social media, or we whatever... What if we take that person seriously? To respect the other person, that they respect them and, and to know that they arrived at their opinion and their conviction for viable reasons. You know, all you're, all you're looking at is just that one opinion. Maybe they, there's a reason that they believe that way. And you're going to respect that. To listen to what they have to say in order to gain understanding... Not necessarily acceptance. It doesn't mean you have to accept what they say, but at least I want to understand it. To express your opinion in ways that don't attack the other or condemn the other person. So to speak, say, well, this is what I believe. This is what I think is true. But to do so in a way that does not attack the person, because it's a good reminder. First Corinthians is a good reminder. Love does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Now, the culture is going to go nuts, and people are going to be at each other's throats, and there's going to be all kinds of things, but Christ calls us to a different way. Have your opinions, have your convictions, whatever those are, but the way we talk about those things and the way we are in the world is to be different. In theological and biblical uh, circles, there's a couple of names, large names uh, out there. Uh, One of them is Marcus Borg, the other one is... N.T. or Tom Wright. Um, Marcus Borg, by his own, his description, he grew up in the Midwest in a liberal Lutheran church. Uh, Went to Oxford for his uh, theological studies. Tom Wright grew up in England, uh, grew up as an Anglican in the Church of England. He's he's an Anglican priest today. Uh, He also went to Oxford for his theological studies. Uh, And he is viewed by um, uh, most conservatives as somebody who really knows what he's talking about. So they're not polar opposites on things, but they're pretty different. They say some pretty different things. Uh, Marcus Borg puts out a book and a lot of conservatives cringe. (laughs) Uh, Tom Wright puts out something and progressives feel like he's too restrictive. Kind of the same old story, right? In 1984, uh, Marcus Borg wrote a book about Jesus and Jesus' politics. Tom Wright read the book, thought it had some great insight, but there were some things he really had some questions about, some things he he disagreed with. So he reached out to Marcus Borg and said, could we have a conversation about this? Sure. They became great friends. 
14 years into their friendship, they said, why don't we write a book together? So they did. And so what they did to, to make the plans for that, they met together for a week. And, and so Borg went over to England uh, to a church where uh, N.T. Wright was uh, involved. And so they, they were going to be there for the whole week. And so uh, the first thing they did was they had a worship, there was a worship service they attended where they both took communion. Because the first thing that defines them is their unity in Christ. Every day that they were together, that, that church had a, had a chapel that had morning prayer and evening prayer services. Every day, they went to morning prayer and evening prayer. That was going to frame their conversation because that was more important than any of their differences. And so they did. They wrote a book together called The Meaning of Jesus. It's a fascinating book because you take some aspect of Jesus' life and then you have Borg's comments, then you have Wright's comments, and they come out in different places. And they're great friends. Now, can you imagine? So this week, this week, we will remain in Jesus. That Jesus, our, our connection to Jesus is our primary connection. And we'll love others as Jesus loved us. As hard as that may be sometimes. And we'll probably hear about it through the grapevine. Let's pray. God, we're grateful for uh, your love for us. The Scripture reminds us that Christ died at the right time for the ungodly. When we hear that Scripture, we imagine those people who are ungodly. Remind us, God, that that Scripture is written about us. Christ died so that we could be saved. That Christ's love is unconditional. It is sacrificial. There are no strings attached. And that kind of love that he expressed to his disciples is the kind of love we are to have for others. And so, God, that's hard to do. Especially when there's so many voices and forces around us are pulling us um, into arguments and pulling us into things, controversies that... Um, where they expect us to win the argument. God, may, may the love that we have for one another, even, even through our differences of opinion, may our love for one another be what people notice. That our love for you would translate into love for others. So that we would fulfill your command that we truly would be fruitful. Pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.